Panada's podcast. It's a man doing the best he can with what he got. And today I got a special guest. One of my big brothers here in Japan. One of my big little brothers, because I'm older than him, which I tend to be older than all my mm-hmm. friends. The homie, professional MMA fighter, author, and all around this cool guy, Benjamin Archie Buckin from the great UK. How you doing, brother man? Thank you for finally coming to my podcast. No, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it. So, yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I've got to add a little bit to the um, to the to the intro though. You said professional MMA fighter and author, ex ex professional um, MMA fighter now since about a month ago. Let's chuck let's chuck failed author in there for now. Hopefully that'll change in the future. Let's just hop into it because there's a lot of stuff I want to ask you because I've been knowing you full disclosure for like about ten years. And we talk, mm-hmm. we get along, you're my homie, I love you to death, but I don't know the real Benjamin, or as I call you, Archie. I don't know the real Archie, so this is like a, a good fact-finding mission for me, too. Okay, here we go. Let's give you some facts. So what inspired you to become an MMA fighter? No, uh, nothing really inspired me particularly. I think I've probably touched on this with you before, like, because I was a Nova teacher, which was um, a big, big language school. And basically all my friends in Japan and all my like going out and all my social life was quite reasonably hanging out with other Nova teachers, uh, drinking at the bar, and it was great. But I wanted something a little bit on the side. Walked past an MMA gym and kind of saw them knocking shit out of each other. I thought it looked fun. Very different to who I was at the time and, and um, you know, my... <laughs> previous life so i thought yeah why not give it a crack and then it just like became a serious hobby then briefly became kind of an obsession how, how did the session start like you was in there and then you was like a fight club type situation where you got hit in the head and your tyler durbin came out like well not uh not in as cool a way it was um i mean <laughs> me and you we've, we've talked about it in in uh in the past haven't we that we we, we both kind of grew up on like jean-claude van damme and love that guy Terrible actress, but I love them. Ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> um, but no, he, um, so when I was a little kid, that I'd, I'd like done karate for six months and stuff like that and obviously stopped when it got too hard. Uh, like everybody, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and then so when I joined the, the gym, the, I suppose the, the moment when I was like, yeah, this is really, really cool was, yeah, it was getting knocked out. It was, it, I was sparring with someone who was a much higher level than me and very, very rarely, very unusually for, um, for this kind of gym. Cause there's a bit of a reputation for it being full, full of meatheads, right? And it's it not. It is. It is. I can, I can attest to that. This guy was like a bit of a prick, you know, throwing his weight around, very happy to be beating up a beginner like I was and a very skinny kind of weak beginner as well. And he like head kicked me, kind of knocked me, knocked me, knocked me for six really. But I was like, okay, I got, I got back up, um, and and kept going. And he and he did it again. So he did it even when I was rocked and a beginner, and he was pretty good at the time. And I remember the coach was just like, okay, Ben, go and sit down for a bit now. You've you've had your um, you've had your filter today. <laughs> and and that was when I knew I was kind of a little bit into it more than more than most people would be because I was sat down with a headache going that was fucking awesome <laughs> i think i know the guy you're talking about 
who kicked you in the head. I'm not going to say no, his name. No, you don't. You don't. I don't. You don't know. That guy. This is, yeah, this is a guy. Um, yeah, yeah, this is a different guy. Different guy. There's two, there have been two guys that I didn't like. And uh, one's the one you're thinking of. And one is the guy who kicked me in the head twice. Well, the guy I'm thinking of, I don't get intimidated much. Like, just because of my upbringing. But that was a thoroughly intimidating situation. I was like, oh, wow. It could go down. Like, <laughs> I got I got to watch myself. Like, uh, dude, I, I don't know what I did. Man. He's a scary man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what I did, but I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Yeah, yeah. Is it just me being me that's offending you? I don't know. <laughs> I think it was. It was just you being you offending you. People being general people offends him, I think. So. Oh, man. It was. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible situation. So you're in there. You're finally in there. You're getting the training. You don't got knocked out, which I'm not going to lie. That was kind of the wake up moment for me, too. The first time I got knocked out, my nose started bleeding. I was like, oh, man, I'm in. <laughs> this is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yo, colors yeah, yeah, were brighter. Yeah. Like, sounds were more vivid. Everything became a little bit better. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you think that's part of my montage that I'm going to move on from this. It's going to be amazing. I, then there was Then there was no montage, sadly, you know. Oh, actually, there was, was a montage. It, but there was a montage. It just happened over like a year to two years. You just didn't know you was in the montage, but the montage did, did happen. I would say more like more like ten years. My montage. It was it was a slow one. Ooh, that's slow damn, burner. That's a good movie though. How has your background, culture, upbringing influenced your approach to fighting and fighting in Japan? Because there's something weird about living here in Japan that. Like for me personally in America, I had a preconceived notion of what Japanese men were like in Japan, the whole samurai honor stuff. And that exists. Mm-hmm. That it does exist. I'm not gonna say it doesn't. But when I came over here, it was kind of um jarring to see what's a good way to say this? And I, I apologize if this, this comes off pejorative, but guy a lot of guys are uh frou-frou or soft. It's kind of very effeminate. Something like a Prince type situation or a Rick James type situation, androgynistic. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of that here in Japan that really was like shocking when I got here. I'm like, yo, this is the country of samurais, and it's like everybody's on this Hello Kitty. Uh, well, again, this is this is quite funny because you you met me when I was um already like a practiced fighter, right? I was already able to sort of look after myself in the gym, right? You didn't meet me when I first came to Japan. I did not. No. So, um, if, if, if you're looking for me to say that the men here are effeminate, it's like, I, when I came here, I was, I still wore eyeliner. Um, <laughs> I grew up, um, idolizing, you know, maybe not to know these people, but like, uh, musicians, you know, like Jarvis Cocker, Brett Anderson, Robert Smith. Um, <laughs> the, these are the people I grew up like thinking were cool and still do. Obviously, I think they're, they're all like still just amazing people and influences on me in a way i suppose culturally but um but no i didn't come here and be like um i want to be around super tough guys because that would have just made me feel small i weighed 59 kilos when i came here and i'm nearly six foot tall oh man yeah that is that is light (laughs) very very light Mm -hmm. yeah no i was i I was like yeah very kind of effeminate and so you had no edge far as aggression coming here in japan right no no I don't, I don't have any aggression now mate i mean i had a little bit of um i had a little bit of anger at getting my ass kicked and and getting um again because i had like the really long hair and i was quite an easy target i 
got sort of spat on even on the street. So how many foreigners actually are in MMA in Japan? Because a lot of people don't know there's not a lot of foreigners here in Japan. Like We see a lot because we're in the community, but mm-hmm. by numbers, there's not a lot of us. So how many actually are in Japan? Or do it, would you say? Compete, competing now, not very many. Not not who live here and compete. The few that get brought over, like the legit fighters who get brought over to, to compete. I'm going to guess at like 10 in all the organizations. Not a lot. No, there, aren't, there aren't many. There aren't many. So how do you see the future of MMA in Japan? The the peak of it, certainly commercially, was the mid-90s, wasn't it? It and, was, um, yeah. The K-1. have tried to... They've tried to recreate Pride and K1 Dynamite, uh, not Dynamite, sorry, K1 Heroes and stuff like that before. Uh, there's not that. There's not the money or the interest anymore, really. It's it's not good. I can't see it being mainstream, genuinely mainstream again. I mean, that's Dana White's fault, though, right? He kind of took that lightning in the bottle and basically t- ripped off K1. I mean, that's he's he's an easy target, but it was more like they found the corruption, they found where the money was coming from. It was all very, um, it was all very shady, and like the <laughs> the, the the people watching it were were watching it for that kind of Udo spirit, you know, like the manly Japanese thing, and um, they were watching it for. I mean, you know, it's very cliched, but with like this sense of honor in fighting, blah 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 blah, and when you find out that it's basically yakuza run almost a racket then the the they lost the tv deals and the the, the public just lost interest didn't they it was that was weird to me because yeah. like the, the the dirty secret is the yakuza is everywhere especially me being a dj being the entertainment field like i run to the guys all the time it's never, never been a major club i've dj in the tokyo area that wasn't yakuza run it's just like a known mm-hmm. dirty secret you're just not supposed to talk about it well i mean like you just said they don't talk about it but once it's out, it's out, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Positive yeah. deniability is a good thing, right? Right, right. Especially for for like the um, you know, the casual viewer at home who like every New Year's Eve kind of tunes in to watch watch the big fights and watch the big names because it was huge at one point, wasn't it? It was. But those like casual fans who just watch it for for the entertainment value, they they're not going to have the commitment to it to, to get through something like the um, the controversy that came up. So I teach English. You teach English. Damn near everybody comes here to teach English. But there's a pejorative mm-hmm. feeling with that. When you say, I'm an English teacher, a lot of emotions come up with that. So how did you deal with that? I just embraced it, to be honest. I mean, I think that the, um, the, re- the reason that there is this sort of like for a lot of people, this kind of shame when they say they're an English teacher is because, like, anyone can get into it, right? Anyone mm-hmm. can do it. Well, actually, okay, okay, okay. That's kind of hard. Anybody can't do it. You still need a college degree to do it, right? Not, not many people can do it without a college no, degree. No, no, no. I mean, you can, you can come in with, you can come in with, um, a working holiday visa. You okay. Can come yeah. In I'm with sorry. Anything without a college degree. And so, <laughs> All right, you're right. basically, with a college degree, and anyone can get a college degree, right? That's true. So um, basically, you can you can get on the bottom rung. You can be anyone can be a shit English teacher, but like to be a good one takes as much commitment as anything else. True story. Like I've met I've met a lot of people who were very 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 bad at their jobs after fifteen years here, and mm-hmm. um and it was always that thing like it's the assumption that you've got into it and it's all you can do and you're kind of lazy and you just you know. You have no ambition, so you just stay teaching English. That's that's what 
um, a lot of people wrongly think of it, as far as I'm concerned. No, it definitely is a, a negative connotation. I think you hit the nail on the head. They do think mm-hmm. like, well, this is all you can do and that's all you'll ever be in your life. And it doesn't hit that hard for me to tell people I'm an English teacher because I do other stuff. Like, you know, I have other right, stuff right. going on in my life. It's like, yeah, I, I teach English and this. Yeah. But I do see a lot of hatred amongst the other English teachers when you don't say you're an English teacher. Have you noticed that? I agree with that as well. I I, I think... um it should embrace what you what you do like that because i like i would never have introduced myself to someone and said like if they said what do you do in japan and i'd gone i'm an mma fighter i would just i just wouldn't have done it i'd have said i'm an english teacher and then the conversation hopefully leads on to um what we do for fun and for you know what, what else we're serious about see that's a weird thing though we've spoken about this a lot though i think and because you breaking trying to break into the entertainment business it's different to me like if i say i'm an mma fighter when i'm making you know a hundred quid a month fighting <laughs> and and three grand a month teaching english then it's just embarrassing it's me trying to you know it's me rejecting what i am and trying to say that i'm more than that to look cool i remember one of our friends mickey was like yeah but when i was in la trying to make it as an actor i'm not going to introduce myself as a waiter Yes. Even though that's my job. Uh-huh. And, I, and that's why I think it is different if you're trying to break into entertainment. Of course, you're going to say you're what you want to be. It's like the fake it till you make it, which is fine. But then there is a left. DJ L. Spade here asking you to humbly take the time out your busy day and listen to my new single, Lost Boys. And while you're at it, why not listen to some other fine music produced by your boy DJ L. Spade on every DSP. Appreciate it, guys. Peace. So how do you keep your ego in check being an MMA fighter, dude? Like, I know it'd be hard for me. You also got, like, a lot of tough guy syndrome coming around here in Japan. So, like, <laughs> how hard is that? Well, I mean, it's always been quite natural for me to, like, not to not have an ego, but to have to keep it in check because you have you have people who are cool, right? And they can, you know, they, they can do anything in life. They can go to a convenience store and buy some buy some crisps and it's cool the way they do it you know um i'm 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 not one of those people and uh, even in a like quite a cool situation such as like um competing in mma i always just manage to, to be a bit of a div um like one time i've I, like i've tried i've tried to be cool at times i tried to be like you know a bit zany i'll have a bit of character and stuff and it never it never works out like there was um when I was when I was fighting in Pancras, they have um they ask you for a comment before the fight, right? You do your way and you have your face off, like stare each other out and then and then they'll get a comment from you into a little dictaphone. And I'd always tried quite hard, like to to come across as, you know, I wanted to be seen as a fighter and I was always like, um, you know, I'm gonna do my best to try and show you a really good fight. Um it's you know, I really respect my opponent. This is gonna be um, this, this is something I've been building up to all my life, blah, 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 stuff like that. And, um, yeah. And then, um, they'd misquoted me a lot and I was like, oh, and quite often I would do it in Japanese and then they would write it in English and then the English would be wrong, which I mean, maybe it was deliberate because my Japanese was a bit wrong. So they were like, fuck it, we'll make him sound a bit (laughs) stupid in English then. But anyway, I've made, I've made a bit of an effort with it and I was on a five, five fight losing streak at this point. Like, it was a rough point of my career. 
And so they, they asked me and I, and I thought, like, okay, I'm going to do it in English since they always write it in English anyway. And I said, I said to the, the girl who was calling me, I was like, is it okay if I do my message in English, right? She said, yeah, it's fine. So I said, it's embarrassing to, to fucking quote myself here. But anyway, I said, like, daddy needs a win and daddy's going to get one. <laughs> right? And from there, we had um, we had two two reasons that I um, that I shouldn't have done that. One is I then saw, you know, like I said, they'd always written my Japanese comments in English, right? <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll do it in English and like try and be a bit wacky. And uh, and then they just wrote, you'll understand this. It's like it just said on the website, Ashtakatsu. So it was like the very, very, the most basic way they could possibly have said, I'm going to win tomorrow. Just like literally tomorrow win. <laughs> tomorrow. That's what they cut it down to. So they must have, they must have had the translator sat there, like writing out the comments and, um, and had my daddy needs a win and daddy's going to get one. And they've just gone, I'm not writing that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not putting that on our website. I'm sorry, mate. You can, you can have Ashtakatsu. Obviously, again, going on from there, the second reason, the question on everyone's lips will be, did Daddy get his win? And uh, Daddy didn't get his win. <laughs> Daddy got submitted one second, one minute and 45 seconds into the fight. So it was, Damn, uh, it Daddy. was a double fail. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy shouldn't have made any kind of appearance. Yo, you are mean. That's that mean when showboating goes wrong. I mean, yeah, it's 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 good that no one really looked at the website or like, well, actually, even if they had, they'd have just seen the very basic one. So no one knew until now. Oh, wow. You were that foreign guy. You was the obnoxious foreign yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came yeah, in too yeah, cocky. Yeah. And just, just, yeah, made an absolute just twat of myself. And, and that is how I'm forced to keep any kind of ego in check, I suppose. But, because okay. that's that's not that's not a one-off. That's my life most of the time. That that kind of thing happening at, at, at school. If 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 anyone on the school trip was going to tread in shit, it, it was me. There was maybe a couple of others who it possibly could have been, but it was it was generally me. So the one time you step out of character, this happens, huh? I mean, no, I had other moments, but yeah, that that was. I think that was the most sort of prominent in my memory where I'm just like, oh God, why why are you like this? Okay, but about that fight, you said you you got submitted in a minute and a half. Was there any uh-huh. factor to lead to that? Like, how about the weight cutting? Like, because I know I fought amateur only and I've had to mm-hmm. cut weight and the reason why I stopped fighting is because in order for me to have the advantage the height advantage, because I'm short, dude. I'm five seven and a half, mm-hmm, five eight mm-hmm. on a good day. Like if I stand up straight, maybe five eight. But everybody I fought was like your height, and you're damn near right, you're, right, you're like right. six one, right, six two. No, no, I'm like five eleven. Damn near six feet. Well, I give you six feet, right? Oh, but all the guys right, I yeah. fought were your height because of the weight mm-hmm, cut. Like, yeah. how hard is it cutting weight? And did that like contribute to your loss? I won't say contributed contributed to my loss, but that's another quite funny thing is um because I was cutting too much weight at that point. Not not for it's not an amount of weight that other people can't cut, but for my physique and for my uh, performance, no, nah, I, I cut too much because I got down to sixty five for that one. Damn. 
Yeah, it was a lot. I was going from like 78 to 65. Okay, for context, guys, I walk around now at 71 kilos. Mm-hmm. So you got lower than me at 5'7". You at 5'11", got down to that. Damn. Yeah, and I, like I say, it was, it was a big cut because I was 78 before that. Yeah, there was it was a horrible cut, but I, I actually I've trained with this guy since a few times. Really nice guy, and and has gone on to a, like a pretty decent career. Has been a regional champion, so he's you know a bit less shame looking back. But no, he's he has an absolutely just beautiful triangle choke, which he submitted a lot of better people than me with, and he submitted me with it a few times in training. I remember actually um. The first time we rolled after fighting, he, he caught me with a triangle really quick. And I said to him, like, shit, that was deja vu. And that was like a bit of a icebreaker for us. And we ended up training a lot together. We were a lot more even overall, but I was a lot bigger than him. Yeah, but the, the weight cut that time, that time and the time before was, was brutal. It was the time when I, I went a little bit mental in the, in the sauna the night before the, the weigh in. Um, so you've been to Cutter Palace, right? You've been to the place where I used to go to cut yes. the last bit. Mm-hmm. And I basically had, I had, um, five and a half kilos to, to lose in overnight. Wait, five and, um, kilos in one day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, it's a lot, but it's not, it's not unheard of. A lot of people do that amount. That's 10 pounds, guys, for y'all don't know, in kilo. That's like around 10 pounds, 12 pounds in one yeah. day. And so I had, I had this, um, set. Uh, what was it? Technique that I, that I knew I could, I knew I could get it off, but I, I needed to, um, I needed to do this, um, technique of in the sauna, then in the bath and the sauna, blah, 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 blah. In the, the sauna area, they have, they have films on at this, uh, this place. So I thought, okay, that's going to be great. That's, I'm just going to be able to watch the film. 15 minutes or pass, I'll just try and concentrate on the movie, right? So I didn't look at the clock. Uh, and this was when I was about, <laughs> I was, I was a, a few pounds into the cut, but it was, I was already starting to feel it. I was not feeling happy at all. I was in this room by myself and they were showing that really shitty horror film based on a video game, like House on, House on Haunted Hill or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's a zombie. It's, 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 yeah, it's rubbish. But at the end, it's all the zombies are like, in, are like attacking this house. I don't know the game. I don't know the film except for watching it this one time and I went in there and I thought okay I'm just going to watch this scene and after the scene finishes that'll probably be 15 minutes in the sauna that'll be great so I start watching the film all these zombies are attacking it's rubbish and I watched what I thought was easily like 10-15 minutes right so I thought okay out to the bath in a second I looked at the clock and I'd been in there for a minute and a half. <laughs> right? And I started crying. <laughs> so I was there sobbing, watching this film. As, and, and like speaking outside, I remember going, no, 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 like that, like crying. And then I looked around. <laughs> it was fucking Japanese dude in the corner looking at me as if to say, like, it's, it's not that scary a movie, mate. You... <laughs> I don't know why you're that upset. And then I lost my modesty towel as well. I left it somewhere. Uh, and someone had picked it up and taken it to the front. 
This was the same sauna session. So you butt ass naked now in the sauna? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're always kind of butt naked, but it's that just for your, for your modesty to when you're moving around. But um, I thought oh, I need it. So I mooched out to the front where the little old lady's there with the puppies. <laughs> didn't didn't use my key and put on my own towel or pants or anything. I just walked out absolutely starkers to the front of the <laughs> sauna. People were coming in. I didn't even realize like what, what I was doing because I was I was so like messed up by the wake up. Yeah, then she gave me it. I went back in, realized afterwards I was like, oh shit. I didn't put any pants on. That was disgusting of me. And she actually asked my, my friend afterwards, she was like, is it normal in England to just walk around naked? It's a bit weird. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was the, that was the effect of that weight cut. Oh my God. So how long did you end up doing that weight cut for? I only did it for two fights. I got battered twice in the first round and I was like, I'm not even getting anything out of this and it sucks. So I'll go back up to 70. Mm, that's usually a thing because I tried to fight at 155 and mm-hmm. I was getting my ass handed to me. Like, in order to get a an advantage, I would have to go down to like 145, 135. I was like, nah, I'm not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's like skeletons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was skeletal at 145. I, I saw you one, one of your cuts. Yeah. I was like, man, Archie was kind of sick. Yeah, but then that said, once I once I rehydrated and stuff, afterwards I was just absolutely shredded. It was amazing. But then I couldn't perform. As soon as I got touched, or as soon as things went a little bit wrong, my body would just switch off and it was just like, nah, you're not having this. And then I would get, you know, finished straight away. That was I the mean, last time I got finished though, that guy. That triangle. And I I've lost three times since, but only decisions. Oh man, but I still feel for you with the the weight cut though. That that sounds yeah, no, it's scary. A, it's it was it was brutal, yeah. And people cut a lot more, a lot more than that. Do you think that actually leads to brain damage too? Yeah, certainly. Because if you've got a dehydrated brain, which it still is, the next day when you're fighting, if you take any big shots, then they're going to count. Well, I'm quite lucky because I never really, I never took many big shots apart from the Max the Body fight. And one, one since then, I didn't take too many big shots to my head. What's fights. a big shot, though, man? That's a relative term. Like, what, what do you consider a big shot? I mean, one, one that, that kind of cleans your clock a little bit, leaves you a bit buzzed. You know what folks disrespect a lot of times? The jab. Go on. The jab hurts, I guys. Can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that straight jab, yeah. that left jab to the face, that shit hurts. <laughs> it does. It does, yeah. A lot of people think, oh, well, that's just a jab. It's just a jab? He's just jabbing you. Yeah. I'm like, that shit hurts, guys. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is punching me in the face. It's the most accurate one as well, isn't it? So it is. you in the right spot, Emily, and it's going to, yeah, it does hurt. And the yeah. quickest. It just snaps yeah. back and you're like, oh, yeah. before you know what happened, you're like, oh, man, pain. <laughs> pain. Yeah. Haymakers are often, like, telegraphed, so you can kind of see those, yeah. maybe dodge them. And then when you do get hit one, you're right, your clock is clean, you're out. But... It's those little ones I think that really just add up. Those just straight jabs getting hit into the head. Yeah, I mean they all, yeah they all add up for sure. But again, I didn't take too much damage. That's why that's why it's about time for me to quit as well. Because and the, the other thing is like the the offer I got after I won my last fight was was four. It was a four man tournament to get a shot at the title, a regional title, which I would have loved. But 
it was me and three three sort of career pros like much bigger than me and much better than me and stand-up fighters as well not grapplers 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 as well but um but yeah i was i would have just got uh, uh, it's it's not beyond me. It wouldn't have been beyond me to get a Janus submission against one of them. But like, yeah, I was going to get the the like life knocked out of me. I think. So I was like, okay, well that's it's good to get the offer and then say no to it and go out on my own terms. So. All right. So when did you you're officially retired now at the age of thirty nine? Thirty nine. That's right. Yeah. Do you see like a decline? in athleticism from like 36 to 39 that just told you that I'm out of it? Or do you think it's hard for a lot of guys to realize that, yo, I'm not the same as I used to be. And I'm saying that as a guy who just hit 40 and kind of realizing I'm washed up too. Was that hard for Uh, you? A little bit, but I was a late developer actually. Like I peaked around 34. Mm. And my peak lasted up until maybe 36, 37. Like, I never got to quite that level where the um, where the margin margins are so small that mm-hmm. any um, physical declines come in yet. I think it's going to start to come in, in the next few years, but right right now I can still fight as well as I ever could. Okay. I just don't want the damage, and I don't want to outlast. I don't want to outstay my welcome, basically. So, yo, if you like the Common Knowledge podcast. Check out the Random Show, hosted with me and the homie, Alex Lex Caliber Hunter. On the Random Show, we talk about random shit. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram, at random, that's R-A-N-D-U-M-B, random. Uh, yeah, one of the things about um, mindset is that, um, as I told you before, like my background um, and how I grew up, it was, I was closer to like a goth kid than a fighter you know uh indie boy you know i had my long hair and all that stuff i was super skinny <laughs> and that obviously that's led to it always always led to a massive imposter syndrome whenever mm. i was fighting mm. you know i always felt people were laughing at me it was like mm. i had I had carrie's mum in my head before every fight then they're all gonna <laughs> laugh at you <laughs> And at times I felt like my opponent was laughing at me and that gave me a bit extra motivation. So that, that was good. In general, it was more like I always had this kind of what the fuck are you doing? Later on in my career, like when I was, when I was in Zest and I had a couple of, um, sort of unofficial contender fights. So like, meaning if I'd won them, I would have got a title match. I actually lost both of them by decision. But anyway, around that time when I was, you know, pushing for a regional title, um, I did get a sports hypnotist to help me with the mental side of it. Ooh, hypnotism. Like, I don't believe in hypnotism. That is a... Well, it's it's real. It's hmm. it's definitely... I mean, uh, you, you can maybe not believe in, in how much it helps, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's not worth it. But definitely hypnotism is real. I've, I can... 100% assure you of that. And I'm quite easy to hypnotize as well. I go under pretty quick. And it's, uh, there are a lot of misconceptions about it. Like if he says, right, get your dick out and start dancing, then you, you have to do it. It's not that at all. It's that, that's not, as far as I'm aware, real. 
Did that happen like, to I you? My fin- <laughs> no, no. That's, that's not me, like, pushing pushing down trauma. No, it's, uh, they do get you get you under, and then they can just control where you're going with your mind a little bit, and it, it is very, very useful. And the guy I had was, was incredibly well-educated, very... Um, very good at his job. He's he's working with Bellator fighters, Muay Thai champions. He's very 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 good. And anyway, so I'd, I'd hired this guy. It's all going well. He's I'm, I'm easy to put under. Blah 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 blah. We were talking about a build up to to one of my fights, and he said, "What other sort of ambitions do you have? Because uh, you want to win this fight, obviously. If Next year, obviously, you want uh, you want to win this contender fight, and you want to um, you want to win the title. What else do you want? And who's going to be there for it? Who are your close friends? Like, who are your family? Who supports mm. you the most? He got all this information from me, and he made this really nice, like, hypnotist story to tell me when I was under, and and to get me to imagine it. And it was really nice. I said to him, like, oh, I've I've got a novel. I'd, I'd really love to have published by then. These are my family members' names, my friend names, the people who come and watch me. And so he set out this really, really nice thing. And he, uh, they use only positive words so your brain can't go the wrong way, blah, blah, mm. blah. And it was like, it was, it was imagining, making me imagine this sort of like house gathering where like my, my belt was, my belt was there. My, my novel had just been published and all my friends, he was saying their names and stuff and saying what they were saying to me to congratulate me, blah, 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 blah. And it was all this, it's this like, you know, positive, um, positive imagination of the future. All good, fairly standard stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So then he brought me out and, um, and said, okay, so how did you feel? I had to tell him the truth. So what had happened when he was telling me this stuff? I said, well, I imagined myself in a hospital bed, maimed in this fight. Oh, wow. And my family and friends had self-published my um, book on <laughs> on Amazon. Oh, my to, God. Just to, just to try and like a sort of GoFundMe thing, right? Oh, so I was there, and they, were, and they were all saying nice things to me, but it was all through this sympathy for this guy who's like, you know, got battered to the point that he's, he can't leave his bed. And that was that was what came into my head, and and I said that to to the hypnotist, and he looked kind of crestfallen for a minute. He just went, "I don't know how that's happened." Ah. And um, yeah. Wow. So anyway, then then I, I was like, "Well, you know, I've paid you your money now. You've got to turn that into a winner. So <laughs> good luck. <laughs> You've got to make me into a champion." How many sessions did you go to? I used him for three fights, so it would have been about 18 sessions overall, I think, if I'm remembering rightly. Uh, but it was really good stuff for most of it. Most of it worked really well. Improved my training quality. I won two of those fights. I won one of them very easily and very cleanly. I won one of them like getting through moments that I normally wouldn't have done earlier in my career. And one, I lost a decision against the ex-champion who was like really a, le- a level above me to be honest he was kind of a beast and I, I, I held my own and you know I, I, like 
kind of outperformed what everyone expected of me. So it, it did work. It worked really well. Okay. But that one that one moment was just like, that's a, kind of a little bit of an insight into what I'm fucking dealing with trying to be a sportsman. I'm not even mad at that, man. I feel like to be a fighter in general, you kind of got to be a little off. But mm-hmm. I think that fear has to be in your head, too, to know that, yo, man, this could be it. I could be like, I don't know. You got to have it, but you got to kind of press it down. But every time I fought amateur, I'm like, you know what? People always ask me, why did you try to go semi-pro or pro? I'm like, bruh, I'm fighting with pads right now, and this shit hurts. Uh-huh, yeah, I, I yeah, don't, yeah. I can't even imagine, like, no pads on my legs. <laughs> bone <laughs> on bone hurts. Like, no pad on my head. Like, yo, no, I don't want that. Yeah, but you know what's weird? Generally, the, the adrenaline level goes up enough that I think amateur actually hurts more with the padding. Actual pain. It probably hurts more. You know what? I would never know the truth because I'm never going to fight without pairs. Unless it's in the yeah, streets. Well, that's fine. On I mean, the streets? Both. Yeah. And, um, yeah, on, yeah. Well, there you go. Like on the street, it doesn't hurt when you get hit, right? You just sort of like a bit. Maybe right. The adrenaline is so high. Yeah. If you're getting battered. Yeah. The adrenaline's too much. So, yeah. But then like, you get an adrenaline dump, especially. And that, that's rough. That's one of the worst things, isn't it? When you've just got nothing to give. Yeah. Someone's like, the shit out of you from above but yeah but there there you go I mean I've never had a fight on the street so have you not? no I've been I've been slapped a little bit when I was younger before I trained but then I found that I've been in a few situations where it's looked kind of likely but I've found that if you if you're kind of confident in yourself that you can fight but you don't want to fight that's the best way the best like kind of demeanour to stop to, to avoid having a fight with. And also, uh, no, one, no, no one's looking at me, right? Like, I think you've probably, uh, you'd probably be more of the guy that if someone walks into a bar, someone's going to like, oh, I want to challenge that guy and mm-hmm. show that I'm the big man. No one's going into a bar seeing me mincing around with my rum and coke and going like, that's the guy I need to beat up, you know? I was going to say, it's a little bit of privilege, a height, you got a little height privilege there. And dare I say, a little bit of white privilege because you are the white guy that is kind of the chameleon. Like, you can fit in anywhere. Like, I'm mm-hmm, not saying that mm-hmm. you, like, fade away, but you're kind of like the, oh, and that guy, right? Like, right, you- right. No, I, I, to- I totally understand. And, like, uh, even so, so like, um, not just being black as well, but your your fashion and stuff. Yes. Um, there, there are connotations which, you know, are generally incorrect but they do exist <laughs> like if if someone if someone that beats you if someone has a fight with you on a night out and wins they're going to be like well i beat up that fucking shredded black guy right right if they have a if they have a fight with me in the win it's like oh that little like librarian looking dweeb i um i beat him up it's like oh well done <laughs> but that's the thing i'm like you're the guy that need to be tested like if you want the accolades fight him <laughs> He's the pro. Well, Don't fight me. Yeah, I, I get out of it with my clothes and my um and my little weird head. So yeah, I, I found that so weird though. Like as soon as we go out, I'm like, all right. So for y'all don't know, me and Archie been knowing each other for a long time, and we've gone out in groups. And in our groups, it's been a very diverse group of people, right? But oh, for Archie, sure, yeah. Archie is like six feet, pro fighter. Uh, another friend of ours, Scott, is like 6'4", huge. 
right? Then me, I'm like five seven, five eight on a good day. Mm-hmm. Uh, very athletic body. I I have muscles, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's some other guys, but I'm always the guy that like people want to start shit with. I'm just like, bro, no, not me. You got a tall guy right there. If you kick the six four, three hundred pound guy's ass, you get credit. Yeah. I'll fight over here, kick his ass, you get credit. Why me? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with me, but Scott gets more shit than anyone. Scott, the um, the massive six four huge guy, he he gets he gets it the worst. Well, some of that's kind of self. So. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm going to say a lot of it is, but but he still does get it worse than we do. I think that's true. Okay. So yeah, yeah, he he, get, he gets it the worst because because he's an instant challenge, isn't he? He's got a target on his back because he's massive. He is. He is. And he's I got a scowly looking face as well, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, no, we don't tell stories about Scott. Today. Yeah, we don't tell Scott. We got Scott's story, but we're not going to tell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you, you, you're right. Um he did get it a lot too, right? Yeah. But then we got a friend who doesn't, nothing happens to him because he's the best person ever and that's Chop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think he gets it worse than me though, to be fair. I think he looks like, he looks like more of a scary kind of fighter guy than I do. You think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. To look at. He used to have his like Chuck Liddell head, didn't he? Oh, he did have the little Chuck Liddell. That was only for a brief yeah. yeah. Like Chop has the face of a friend. Yeah. That's if fun. anybody yeah. fought with like Chop is the one of our friends that like if anybody said anything without like if somebody wanted to fight Chop, I'm helping Chop because I knew you did something wrong. Well, you'd, you'd assume he was in the right, wouldn't yes. you? Yeah. I couldn't be telling you wrong. Chop been, probably he started. Been, he might have been annoying, but he wouldn't have. Um, he wouldn't have been mean. Exactly. Like Chop is the only yeah. guy like in our group that if something happens. Without question, I'm jumping off the porch and I'm helping Chop. I'm like, no, you did something wrong. Right, not right, Chop. Right. Chop yeah, could have been yeah, the yeah. instigator, sure. but look. <laughs> but you'd assume he wasn't, right? Yeah, I would not assume sure. that. Like me personally, if I'm in a fight, you guys probably assume that maybe I started because I, I have that type of thing. Like you, yeah, I wouldn't assume you would start a fight, but I don't even see you fighting though. No, exactly. I mean, you haven't, have you? Only in the ring, like only in the ring and training. It's the only time I seen you fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like you, you do yeah, a great job of keeping time, your, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you keep your anger in check, man. How do you do that? Like being a pro fighter and not like trying to be tough guy and just like punking people out on the streets. Well, I mean, I'm just not 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 many things make me angry, to be honest. Unless someone's winding me up deliberately, trying to make me angry and being genuinely mean, which people aren't. Then that that's the only thing that would kind of upset me. And even then, I would I'd like there were so many levels of just telling them to fuck off before anything gets physical that you know just never needed to. Yeah, I've never seen you. Well, one time, but I've only seen you get mad once in the ten years of me knowing you. Only once. And do you oh. think that's because you train? No, I didn't used to get angry either. I don't know why it is. Wow, you're just better than me, then. Okay, I am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not necessarily better. I'm just different. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's the thing. All right, last question before I let you go because this is the most important thing. In that yeah. room of friends that you were talking about, was I in there? What room of friends? You said it, oh, during the sports episode. Was I um, in there? 
No, I'd like to say Damn you were just for the sake of the podcast, but like, <laughs> but it was it was when I was um it was when I was living in uh, Nakano, and and because you didn't generally come to my fight, I did not. Right? So mm-hmm. it was it was people it was the people who um who like I've got people who whenever I'm fighting the the they're there, you know, um and so it was those people. Um, but, uh, I could lie. Do you want do you want to edit this and say like, yeah, Marcus, you were right at the front. Nah, man, I'm cool. Sorry, I'll take nah, that. Nah, okay. I, I just take that. Cool, cool, cool. Well, that's yeah, the Common yeah. House Podcast with my homie, Benjamin Archie Buckin, pro MMA fighter and struggling author who's going to come up with that novel soon. Tell the people where to find you, Ed, man, and what you're doing. Uh, there's nowhere to find me. <laughs> you could search me on Facebook. That's all I use. So, yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no sign of me. You can't prove I exist. That's how you end a podcast right there. There's nowhere to find me. All right. I'm off the grid. Exactly, <laughs> you yeah, can look, it. but you won't see me, people. Take that. No one wants to find me. No one wants to find out where I am. Uh, no, thanks for having me on. It's been been lots of fun. Uh, 